The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. This evening's much-anticipated Doyle vote on the Sinn Féin motion seeking to extend the eviction ban into 2024 could see the government prevail by a slim majority. Will meeting the amendments put forward by the regional independent group make the difference? Well, for more on this, I'm joined now by independent DD for Kildare South. Uh, that's Cahill Berry, and he'll be uh, giving us his reaction to the government's response. And Sinn Féin TD for Galway West, the party spokesperson on public expenditure and reform, Mairead Farrell. And uh, first of all, political reporter with the Irish Times, Jack Horgan-Jones. Good morning and welcome one and all. Uh, Jack, how stands the political landscape at the moment? So I think the government is, is going to win uh, the motion this evening. I think they'll actually end up winning it quite comfortably. But I think that it was always likely to win it. The question is, to what extent is the majority uh, being reshaped and resized as a result of this? So last night, uh, we, we saw for the first time a rather lengthy counter motion from the coalition which is what the Dáil is actually going to vote on it won't vote on the Sinn Féin motion it votes on the, the government counter motion and over the course of about 2,000 words and five pages the government runs through all the various things that it's doing in housing delineates the entire housing policy of the government more or less but most importantly it makes concessions to the group that call as part of the regional independent group that we, which made a, a, a list of kind of eight or so I don't know if you call them demands but eight uh, requests yeah. of government and they're nearly all in there they're often kind of transported across verbatim. So I suspect that even if that's not enough to, to take every single member of the regional independent group in under the, the government's uh, wing today uh, when the vote actually happens this afternoon, I suspect it'll be enough to offset the anticipated loss of NASA Horgan and probably enough to, to deliver a fairly a fairly comfortable win. But like, it's it, there, there's, there's a momentum shift, there's a vibe shift that's kind of changing here and no matter the, 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 the whether the government actually wins this or not, I think that it shows a new vulnerability and a perceived vulnerability both both among the, the coalition themselves and from the opposition benches that the government is now weak on housing and potentially susceptible on housing and it's not necessarily about today's vote it's not necessarily about next week's vote which is a confidence motion it's about the votes that may come and this sense that the government may be vulnerable on a housing question not today or tomorrow but in the future Alright So um, you would still anticipate the government going more or less its full term though? Look at this at this stage, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that I think could trip up the government between now and the the mid, the end of next year or after next budget was which is when I anticipate the the election to be. One is something on housing. So insert a housing controversy here that it can't get it ha- get get its hands around, perhaps resulting in a confidence motion, perhaps in the minister for housing next week. Next week's confidence motion is on the government in its entirety, um, or I think something on on climate or environmental policy is another one of the landmines that might kind of trip the government up in the medium term but like I don't think that this in and of itself is a coalition threatening event but it is a medium term problem I was talking to people in government about this yesterday and they're saying look the least of our concerns is actually winning a doll vote or two what is the big worry for us is what happens and it's what Owen Bryn was saying there as well is what happens when this kind of cascade of evictions starts accruing in yeah. the middle of the, of the I spring mean, and into the early he summer. He had quite a colourful contribution and almost he mentioned Margaret Thatcher but it was almost Cromwell. <laughs> he was labelling Darrow O'Brien. Well, um, yes, but like he, he's perceiving a, a weakness there 
And I think he's right. You know, this this speaks to the kind of core of Sinn Féin's message, which is that this government is callous and indifferent and its policy failings are the result of conscious decisions that it makes that reflect its values. And housing has always played that role for Sinn Féin. So it's grist to the mill, you know. The the opposition, I think, has struggled to differentiate itself from some of the on, from the government on some of the other big stories like COVID and the cost of living and the migration crisis, where really they, they, they criticise the implementation as opposed to, you know, the the general policy stance. Housing and health and those chronic public policy failings are where they think they can win and it's where the polling suggests they'll win as well. Now, uh, let's go to you, Cottleberry, as a member of that independent group. Um, Have you been satisfied? We've got a we got a very good hearing um, over the last number of days from Minister uh, Darrell O'Brien. Um, our proposal has been very very well received, um, particularly across Leinster House. There last night, people are looking at these eight proposals, going, "Wow, okay." Um, in isolation, each one of those would make a difference, but in combination, they'd have a significantly positive effect downstream, and that's what we're trying to achieve. We're a very constructive uh, bunch of politicians. Now, um, you might uh, remind us of of what you achieved. Yeah, so there's uh, eight proposals and uh, I guess the the objectives really are to protect tenants, uh, to protect house owners and to increase supply, which is the, the key requirement. Um, just to give you one example, the um, the fair deal scheme at the moment, um, if you're in long, a long-term nursing home, um, you are not able to rent out your house um, that you don't no longer need um, because of for, for tax reasons. So my own aunt, for instance, she's uh, she's in a long-term nursing home in Navin at the moment. She has a beautiful uh, four-bed house that's laid, uh, laying completely idle and has been for the last three years. And now she can look at this proposal and go, OK, now it should make sense for mm-hmm. me to rent it out, should she wish. It's entirely her practice. Now, uh, one of the elements that, that prevented uh, governments from doing this up to this uh, it seemingly was the, the fear of... Um, a law of unintended consequences coming into play, i.e. people by their relatives being shoved prematurely into nursing homes in order for the relatives to get access to the income. Yeah, I think that the sufficient safeguards are there. Um, and if you look at where we are at the moment, we're in an emergency housing situation. We really have to put out all the stops. Um, I think these proposals make a lot of sense. That's why they've been very well received. And like the regional group have consistently over the last three years, we've, we, we recognise that the government doesn't have the monopoly on responsibility mm. in relation to solving the housing crisis. I've been hired to do a job by, by my constituents and I intend to discharge my duties in full. Yeah. Um, Are are you concerned with some of the uh, concessions that you've been given? For example, a a local authority tenant, it seems, can earn 14 grand a year tax free, even though the accommodation they're in is already subsidised by the state. They might well be a social welfare recipient living in local authority accommodation and then they can use a state asset to get 14 grand tax free. Yeah, I wouldn't really regard That's them as... That's a bit anomalous, isn't yeah, it? I wouldn't really regard them as concessions, though. Um, these are uh, solutions, and the solutions... No, but do you think that's a fair solution on the taxpayer? You know, that someone who, by virtue of paying tax, is subsidising all of these things from the state, and then someone using a state asset can go and have a nice little earner? Yeah, well, under the circumstances, I would say yes. We do have to put out all the steps. We've tried a lot of things in the last three years in particular. They haven't worked, and we now really need to go hammer and tongs really at everything and these eight measures would make a big difference. Yeah, now some of the measures, I mean you talk about the fair deal and uh, if someone is long term in a nursing home and is not in imminent danger of demise but is uh, sick enough not to be able to to manage at home and uh, the relatives then organise that the place be uh, rented under the fair deal scheme, no income will be taxed from that uh, revenue uh, or no income will go to the nursing home to help fund the care 
And then they're faced with the, the problem was if a tenant goes in, will I ever get them out? Because when that person finally dies, we want to sell this asset and, uh, you know, disperse it. But we can't uh, if uh, the, the person can never be removed. Yeah, and that's a, that's a brilliant point, uh, Pat. And that's why the, the unintended consequences of the winter eviction ban is playing out. Um, I actually got two calls last night from, from small landlords. Uh, when they heard about these proposals, they said, that makes perfect sense. We now intend to rescind our, um, eviction our, orders. our, our notice to quit on that basis because how they see it is they have regained control of their property. A lot of people were were, were making uh, notices to quit because they felt that they were trapped and now there's an open-ended uh, control returned to the small landlord and the objective mm. is to keep these small landlords in the business but also to encourage new ones to join. It's all yeah. about supply and choice. Now, in terms of what local authorities uh, would be able to do under the, the government's concessions, they would be able to buy properties uh, from landlords who really want to get out of the market for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, is the budget there to, to do wholesale buying of houses? Because houses are expensive if you're talking about, say, let's take round figures in the Dublin area, half a million. OK, mm. so a million will only buy you two houses. How many millions do we need around the country for all the councils to buy sufficient number of houses for this scheme to have effect? Yeah, so that would have been a relevant argument up to about two years ago because the country really hasn't been in surplus for about 15 years since the crash. But the, the country made 5.2 billion of a surplus last year alone. Six billion has been made already this year. So we do actually have the resources for the first time in 15 years. We have the money. We have the plan. We just need to move to implementation now. Okay, so six billion is six thousand million. Um, so if you spent all of that money on houses, you'd have bought maybe twelve hundred, uh, twelve thousand houses. Mm. That would be if they were there to be bought. Mm. Well, it just goes to, the, the, if I can mention the Cree Corner scheme, which is a very positive scheme. We've, we get a lot of constituents into our office um, from a rural and from a regional point of view looking to get access to the scheme. And what three of our proposals of the eight, it's to enhance this scheme. So the grants are going to be larger, up to about 80 grand. So really the state is in, increasing its housing stock by one for the cost of only 80 grand. But also houses that are currently, you must the house must be at least 30 years old to be eligible. We're going to drop that to 15 years. Um, that's all that's required. Um, and then also, not only can you access the scheme to live in that house, but you can also access the scheme to rent it out. So it's all about increasing the amount of rent, uh, the rental options out there and, and choice from a tenant's point of view. OK, so a, a, a huge number of concessions, really, by the government. A lot of people will be asking, and maybe I'll put that to, uh, to Mairead in a moment as well. If this was so doable, why didn't they do it before? Yeah, look, I'm an outsider to Leinster House. I've never been a member of a political party. There's always, you know, political point scoring going on there. Um, but again, going back to the region group, we are a constructive bunch of people um, and we, we view every proposal on their merits mm. rather than on their source. There's just one small thing I'd like to clarify as well, uh, Pat, if possible. There's, there's about 62 derelict houses in the Curragh camp at the moment, all publicly yep. owned, yeah, family homes. Grace. Um, we got a commitment from uh, the Taunchton, Michal Martin, about three or four weeks ago that they're going to be renovated. Not a classic example. About 100 grand per house. We do them up and bring them back in stream and make a significant difference to the, to the military families in the Curragh and address the dereliction issue. Okay, well. so, so that they would be dedicated to military families because I don't think the state would probably want total strangers going into, even though we're not at war or anything, but a military installation. Uh, absolutely. So there's security considerations, but there's a, a desperate need for housing uh, in the military community at the moment. The wages aren't great. I, I work myself uh, in, a, in a homeless hostel every month. 
um, for the last three years. So again, again, with, with the greatest respect to all my TD colleagues in Leinster House, but it's a very, very personal issue for me. And these eight options will make a significant difference. And that's why we're backing them today. Now, one of the elements of this, we talk about dereliction or houses that are unoccupied. And a, a study by the Society of Chartered Surveyors suggested that the majority of derelict buildings are actually not financially viable for restoration. Do you know the way people, you know, who, who buy a house and they decide they want to restore it and then they get the architect in and the surveyor and they say, look, lads, it'd be cheaper to knock it. Mm. So Isn't that the reality in many of the cases? They're so bad that the cost of renovation is far more than the cost of a new build. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so... Yes, you, you could completely demolish the building and rebuild, but that would also qualify for a Creek Cornhide grant. So what that research this morning was published is saying is it's not that it's not engineeringly viable, it's that it's not financially viable. So that's why the region, region group are calling for larger grants to make it financially yeah. viable. I'm just wondering, though, viable. whether sometimes you're throwing good money after bad. You'd, you know, you try to get something up to speed, but it won't make a, a D rating or a C rating or no possibility of a B rating, no matter how much money you throw at it. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be my experience. And, and the people who've been coming into my constituency office um, over the last number of weeks are mad to get on the scheme. They really, really want it. They recognise its significance. They recognise it's, it's a game changer and uh, they're yeah. very, very keen to get on board. I mean, what you've been talking about there is, generally speaking, in all the schemes, you're talking about bringing stuff in that is available to be either restored, repaired or rented because it's all in the fair deal scheme and cannot be rented so far. But fundamentally, we are still shy on supply. So no matter what happens, no matter which party um, kind of tries to make the running, uh, there's a construction industry that's at full tilt. Um, you know, you can't magic up houses out of the ground. Yeah, correct. And that's why we have to leverage the existing houses that are there. There are thousands of properties all around the country that are vacant or, or derelict. Uh, in rural Ireland as well, there's a lot of uh, tradespeople who would be very, very happy to muck in themselves and fix up yeah. their own house. So that's certainly an option. Just a, a point just for, for the, your listeners to understand is th- these regional group proposals, they're of such importance, they're actually going to be voted on first this evening. Um, so we'd be looking for a, a maximum support if possible. The, the, the f- so, so this will put it up to Sinn Féin, for example, to vote for your proposals. I, well, I wouldn't see it like that because we... Well, I mean, no, if they're good proposals, uh, you know, if Sinn Féin is not simply playing politics, as has been uh, charged by Matty McGrath, for instance, he said Sinn Féin are just playing politics with housing. Um, you'd put it up to them and say, if these are good proposals, they're worth voting on, irrespective of your own motion. Yeah, correct. But again, I wouldn't see that. I'd be more uh, from a cooperative uh, point of view rather than a confrontational point of view. But it'd be very, very hard for anyone to justify voting down these eight proposals. Mm. They're, they're quality stuff and I think it'll make a significant difference. OK, Mairead Farrell uh, listening to that. Uh, will Sinn Féin vote for these proposals, Mairead? I, I just want to say I, I, I can't believe what I'm hearing, to be perfectly honest, Pat, because what we know is that in the next coming months there are going to be thousands of additional people who are going to be going into emergency um, and homeless accommodation if there is the emergency and homeless accommodation. We know at this point, and I know from Galway City and Galway County, that there's in fact um, waiting lists to go into emergency accommodation. Mm-hmm. And the proposals that um, Carl has been outlining um, are no harm to him. Like th- There's no issues in terms of the proposals themselves, but 
they're not going to stop what is literally going to happen if he votes for this um, eviction ban to be ended tonight, which will mean that there will be thousands of people going mm. into homelessness. Like, that is what we are talking about fundamentally here. We yeah, are talking but, but about Carl also said that on foot of these, yeah, But on foot of these proposals, Cottle is suggesting that landlords that he has come across literally in the last 24 hours are saying we will rescind our eviction orders because this gives us the kind of security Cottle has spoken about two landlords that he spoke to. We're talking about thousands of people being mm. evicted here, right? Like, this is this isn't something that we can talk about as, it, as if it's not an extremely, extremely um, serious situation. And to be perfectly honest, um, Cahill, I just think you're giving political cover here to the government um, to allow thousands of people going into um, homelessness. You see, in terms of the proposals themselves, right? Like, the, the p- problem here is we're talking about we have days um, to stop people going into this um, increase in, in homelessness. The only thing that's going to stop that at this very moment in time is extend the eviction ban. Yeah. That's just that's just the reality of the situation. Okay, so Mairead, of course, the Mairead, extending one, the evic- eviction ban itself. One of the critiques okay. of, of your own party's position by the government was that you want to extend the eviction ban until January of uh, 2024. Now, January is one of the worst months of the year. So uh, what happens then in January 2024? Do you just extend it again? It does it become, if you like, in your uh, party's eyes, a perpetual ban, which then will be reinforced should you get into government, that no one will ever mm-hmm. be able to get rid of a tenant uh, unless they set the place on fire? No, no, Pat. And look, the government, when they say that, they know that's nonsense. Well, we've been very, no, but we, very explain to me, that. Explain to me but January. January 31, Correct. in the middle of winter, why that deadline? Why not March of next year? Why not, you know, a year? So the whole, the whole point here, Pat, is, right, eviction bans themselves don't build the houses. They, what they do is they stop the massive increase in homelessness. But at the same time, what the government actually needs to do is deliver in terms of of housing and the supply in terms of housing. That's the crucial aspect. That's what we said to the government a number of months ago when they brought in um, the eviction ban in the first place, is that you don't just sit idly by and you, uh, sit in your hands and, and you hope yeah, that but, these but houses please, are going to... But please, if you would, if you would answer the question, why January, yeah, so the what, middle so of winter next year? Is it your intention, you know, without saying so explicitly, that this will be an eternal eviction ban, really, under Sinn Féin? No, and I've been very clear on that. That's absolutely not the case. But the why January 31 the, then? That's the question. So what you're doing is you're Middle giving winter. the government... So, if you just let me finish. What you're doing is you're giving the government a period of months to actually deliver on housing. That's the whole point here. What we have at this very moment in time is record amount of homelessness. I can mm. see it from the people coming into my um so, No, no, but office. to, to take sure your logic, to take your logic, sorry, Marie, just to take your logic, you are saying that you have confidence in the government that by January the 31st next year, they'll have solved the housing problem. Is that what you're saying? No, not at all, Pat. What I'm saying is what the government needs to do and what they should have done in the last few months is actually increase the supply of housing. And that Mm. is what they need to do now. They need to look at the tenants in situ scheme. They need to ensure that they expand that, that councils actually have the ability to to deliver on that. They need to look at um, using more modern methods and technology to actually bring forward housing. The question, therefore, therefore, it remains as Cahill put it at the beginning of the, the segment is, will Sinn Féin vote for their eight measures, which everyone seems to agree are pretty good? Maybe should have been done earlier, but being done now, will Sinn Féin vote for those measures? 
Well, Pav, what we will be doing tonight is very clearly, we have our motion whereby what what we want to see is the extension um, of this eviction ban. That is what we are fundamentally going down to. For for Carl to come and give political cover um, for the government to allow a massive increase in homelessness is simply wrong, in my opinion. Oh, we, heard the, we heard the Minister of the Housing Minister say um, on national media that there will be an increase in homelessness as a result of the lifting of this eviction ban. I cannot understand why anybody could go into that chamber okay. tonight and vote for that to happen. Okay, but you still didn't answer the question whether you'd vote for good measures which have been suggested by this regional independent group. Look, I, I have no issues with the proposals that they want to bring forward, but the reality is it's not going to, it's not going no, to stop... No, but will you vote for um, them if they're good proposals? Um, well, I'm going to have to see how the how it works tonight in terms of the voting. So I'm not sure which votes are going to be coming tonight um, in what way. So those things don't aren't always very clear before, um, at this point. Okay, Cahill, so what I'll, do you I'll, say? I'll you're find giving... that out later. But the point here is what we need to see is the extension yeah. of the eviction ban. You, you, and you're, what we're going to see is an increase yeah. in homelessness oh, by the thousands. And as you say, the government themselves have conceded that is a likely outcome of the ending of this ban. Cahill, you're giving political cover to the government. I just I very much respect uh, Maria's views. There's no problem there at all. Um, just I uh, listened to the debate I was in the chamber last night and I think what everybody agrees in is this uh, eviction ban must be lifted at some stage where, where the point of disagreement is, is when. Um, in relation to the political cover uh, suggestion, um, all I'd say is I came into the studio here this morning just so you could look me in the eye yourself, Pat, and I'm sure you can detect from my body language these views are sincerely held. And uh, I think you, you had Dennis Nocton, my good colleague, in here yesterday as well. Dennis isn't even running for election uh, next year. Um, the easiest thing for him to do would be to sit back and do nothing. And uh, But he's been working um, flat out for the last five days to conduct these negotiations uh, to bring forward eight proposals that will make a, make a significant uh, difference to the public. Mm. And that's what we've been hired to do and that's what we intend to do. Right. And just, just w- w- we serve another King nor Kaiser. I mean, that's, that's a nod to my own military heritage. Um, I vote on the merits of a policy, not on its source. As some of the text coming in, the houses, flats, apartments do not disappear when a tenant is evicted. That's from uh, Hugh in Dublin. Uh, so are Sinn Féin saying they could fix homelessness in nine months or are they guaranteeing that if they were in government they'd end the ban in January? That's uh, from Tom. What is the position about the, the ban? Isn't it a wait and see, uh, Mairead? I I think, so, like, I don't see how this is confusing. What the government needs to do is actually increase no, no, the supply the, of housing over the next get, couple of months. We're trying to sort out Sinn Féin so, policy so, from you, not government policy. So, you know, what is Sinn Féin's view on the, so the, this texture? So Will so, it end so if in we were January? In government, so if we were in government, well, if we were in government, what we would do right away and what we would have started doing a number of months ago, as um, the government should have been doing, is actually increase the, the supply of homes. That means that you're looking at um, the, the way procurement works, you would be looking at um, bringing modern methods, all those kind of things to actually increase the supply of, home, uh, of housing. You would also look at um, the likes of uh, the tenant in situ scheme and all of those things. Look at the vacant properties and to be perfectly honest, see the um, issue with the Creek Coningham scheme is that what we've seen from the SCSI today is that it as you were mentioning earlier, is that for a lot of people, it's just simply not financially viable. What we would be saying is that the local authorities actually need um, to to deliver on that so that they would themselves go in and look at those uh, derelict properties and bring them on stream. So what we would be saying is you can't have a situation whereby we have no, no, record no, Mairead, 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 stop, and then as a result a of second. that yeah, you're going to Stop for a second you, you talk about derelict properties which the owners say are not viable to restore and you want the council to go in We're talking about compulsory purchase. Do you know how long that takes? 
if they're to go in and take property off people to renovate to let to tenants that's a very not, lengthy I'm not, process I'm not it's talking not, about I'm not talking about well how are they going to get a hold of them purchase. what I'm saying is you would be looking at the council to go in to buy them deliver them that would be for social that would be for affordable mm. but it would also be for people to be able to buy them the, the, the frank reality here is right is that we are literally seeing a decision being made tonight that people are going to go in and vote on to, to, which we all know we all agree on will increase homelessness by its thousands at a point when they're already the most the record um, level of homelessness so whether people like to hear that or not that is literally what is okay. going to be decided tonight and anybody that goes into that chamber tonight and decides that they're going to allow for thousands extra um, to go into homelessness they will, well, they better let us all know where, the, where people are going to go because I know from Galway City I know from Galway County that there's simply not the all emergency right. and, accommodation and available made, You've made that point. point and councils indeed themselves have made that point. We started with Jack Horgan-Jones we'll go back to Jack Horgan-Jones having heard that uh, discussion uh, Jack. Uh, choppy waters ahead I think so. Um, so for a week or ten days since the uh, since it became clear that Sinn Féin were going to put down this motion, we've been kind of discussing majorities and who'll who'll vote for it and who won't and all the rest of it. And we've been kind of very focused on the minutiae of this debate and the minutiae of the policies that the government is saying is going to mitigate the lifting of the eviction ban and what what will happen when the eviction ban comes to an end. But I think that what we're hearing actually is the sound of a starting pistol as opposed to you know the end of anything here. This is a story that is going to run and run. You you know, the human interest side of it, the data side of it, as more and more people become homeless and, you know, as the, the outworkings of the various mitigations come into view, do they work, do they not? This is something that's going to run, I think, for, for weeks, if not months. And, you know, I think it'll be something that people are talking about the next general election. People will still recall the lifting of the eviction ban. It'll still be parsed politically, the import of it, the policy consequences and the politics of it. Well, thank you one and all. Uh, Jack Horgan-Jones of the Irish uh, Times, Cahill Berry, Independent uh, TD and Bray Farrell of in fame. Thank you for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.